Hi, everybody. This is Tracy, and I'm delighted you've joined me for this episode of Good Life Stories. I created this podcast because I believe we are all seeking connection, and what better way to do that than through story? So get ready. These stories are meant to suck you in. Welcome to Good Life Stories. Hey, everybody, this is Tracy, your host for Good Life Stories. Welcome to our next episode. Today, sitting with me is Abby Dur. I've known Abby for over a decade. She works in a really cool space, but today we have some really fun conversations about the people in her life and really a little bit about life and death in all of it. So I'm really looking forward to you hearing from Abby and about her perspectives on life, on heaven, and on getting good things done in the meantime. I know you'll enjoy Abby as much as I do. Thanks. Welcome to Good Life Stories. Everybody, welcome. This is uh, Good Life Stories. I'm here today with a longtime friend of mine, Abby Dur, and I asked her on today because she's been someone who's been inspiring me with what she's been doing for a really long time. She works in the senior space, and we'll share a little bit more about that later. But welcome, Abby. Thank you for joining me today. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Tracy. It's a great day welcome. to be here. Yeah. Beautiful sunshine, lots of lots of good grace showing up today. So, you know, when we were getting ready for today, you know, especially with leading up to this, things have changed since we started planning this. And um, the person who changed that is Becca. Will you tell us about Becca and kind of her story for where we're at today and what you'd like my listeners to hear? Yeah, Tracy. Yes. So, um, my family has just been rocked by, by loss, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners today can relate to that. <laughs> it's just going through the pandemic and loss and grieving and just dealing with grief is something that, wow, there's just so many people have been through it. And um, so our story is Becca is, so Rebecca is my sister-in-law. She first came into my life when I was in junior high <laughs> on the wow. soccer field, <laughs> we were on the same soccer team at Bellevue Christian High School. She was a year older. Anyways, that's when I first met her a long time ago. Long time ago. And wow. I didn't have any clue that she was going to be my sister-in-law, but a, just beautiful person from the beginning. She was just a friend and someone that I, I liked from day one. And then fast forward long time after that, I got married to her brother. <laughs> so married, married her brother. And, um, over the years, I, I think I've known her for 28 years or so. Wow. Um, over the years, she's, she's just become a closer and closer friend. I like to say, you know, sister-in-law just doesn't cut it for me. It's just like, that just doesn't describe no. <laughs> our relationship because you're, you're a friend first. And then, yeah, yeah we also have to be we also get to be sister-in-laws and that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. And so she, um, 2020 hit, you know, and there were a lot of layoffs going around. Rebecca was a, she worked at JPC architects as an interior designer, really cool career, just yeah. like such a creative person. She would walk into any space and just be able to look at it and say, oh, here's what they should do differently. And she was in the commercial realm. Wow. So she was building, you know, doing like office spaces and just this most creative person. She had such an eye for beauty and it went and it, it flew through every part of her life. Um, her style, her personal style. Oh, like all of it. <laughs> I was always like, what would Becca pick out when I was shopping? You know, like such style, such beauty. And then she was also a real horse person because her family, many generations of horses, um, especially the Arabian horses, Arabian stallions, Arabian show horses were a huge part of her life. And she started showing when she was a young girl, just like her mom did. And um, so she was this total horse person. And 
I got to be the maid of honor in her wedding. Mm. She finally got married at, I think she might've been 38 when she got married and she found the most amazing husband. Her husband is like, they first met when she was 16 and he came onto uh, her farm to take photos of her Arabian stallion. <laughs> so nice. He's a horse photographer. Oh, wow. And he How goes cool. all over the world photographing Arabian stallions, Poland, all over, all over, taking um, Paris, just taking gorgeous pictures of Arabian stallions for magazines, like magazine quality, you know, right? amazing guy. And so, and he knows everybody in the world. The most social person I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. So there's a huge age gap. Like she was like 16 when they first met. Um, she got married when she was like 38. He's, um, you know, approaching 60. <laughs> so nice. there's like, no, yeah. maybe, maybe he was 57 or something when they got married. Yeah. But it's like, it was just such a beautiful love story because they had so much in common horses. All of it. I mean, if you're a horse person, you're a horse person. And if you're not, you're, you're not. just not. <laughs> yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. I know those people. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, uh, so Rebecca and, and Stu, just this beautiful love affair. They, yeah. um, just, just, um, got reconnected somehow and just totally got over the age difference and, jokes left and right about it and just yeah. fell head and he head over heels for each other. Just yeah. the most beautiful story of them. So in 2020, um, she was 39 at the time. She yeah. was, um, lost. She got laid off from her job at JPC architects yeah. because they were just doing layoffs, you know? Yeah. And then the same exact day, she found out that she was diagnosed with triple negative pleomorphic Lobular carcinoma. Ugh. Which that is just is what a hor just a long name. Like you know, you know that there's something uh, special when you get that really long name. Unfortunately, right. right. It's a very aggressive form of breast cancer that is very hard to treat. Yeah. And she found it by finding. Um, yeah, I mean, it's this horrible, horrible um, diagnosis. But she wasn't gonna, you know take that as an you know she was gonna take that sitting down (laughs) yeah oh my goodness she fought it she fought it and she was just always gonna beat it so my family's just walked through this with her over the last three years and um so um, she went home to be with the lord on april 3rd of this year and so lots changed since february when we were gonna do this and now here we are in, in june and you know, when someone really close to you dies, it's just, it's just a line in the sand. There was life before her and there's life after her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it will never be the same, but she has uh, just totally inspired me to live to the fullest. The, the way that she, you never would have knew, you never would have known that she had cancer when she had it. She yeah. kept traveling. They traveled all over the world. Yep. Um, she just kept living life to the fullest. Yeah. And, and this was, you know, in the middle of the pandemic too. Right. She just you just like, didn't stop. I'm yeah. not going to stop like just enjoying life. And it was a beautiful thing to, to see that. And she inspired hundreds of people. I mean, probably thousands almost um, were following her story because she was very brave and shared her story on social media. So yeah. she would give updates and yeah. So she's not with us any any longer, but um, I imagine her in heaven and actually her father just had this like vision of her the other day. He's like, I'm not sure if I was just daydreaming and it's my overactive brain or if it was just a vision from God. But Rebecca always wanted to start a ranch for young children Mm -hmm. that would be, it would be called Hello Heaven and it would be for just broken youth that are just yep. having a hard time. <laughs> Young yeah. kids having a hard time to come and get horse therapy. And there's a lot of them out there. I'll give a mm-hmm. shout out to Kim Meter in Bend, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. If you're looking for something to be inspired by, read her books, Kim Meter. So um, how do you spell her last name, Abby? M-E-E-D-E-R, I think. Okay. Kim Meter. Incredible 
but she does and on this beautiful property in Bend, Oregon. She's take and she takes it to the next level because she takes broken horses that were neglected oh. and abandoned. And she rehabs the horses and then she brings them together with kids that just need to need, need that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and her story is just incredible. I mean, she, her parents were basically, um, they were, I don't know if they were murdered or it was suicide, but it was right in front of her when she was a very young child. Yeah. And she, the only faith, the only place that she felt hope and healing was on the back of horse. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's just, uh, so Becca very special creatures, but something similar to that. Yeah. And she was going to call it hello heaven. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the name. This was way before we knew she had, had a cancer diagnosis. A it bit was, ironic in that sense. Yeah, it is. It, well, it is. And, and, um, and so hello heaven is my, my father-in-law, her dear father. That's yeah. just, just, He's yeah. like, I hope I never stop weeping over her because I just, you don't yes. want to stop crying. You like, like crying is a good thing, right? Yeah. Cause we just miss her and love her so much, but he just had this little daydream or vision of her in heaven. And if you can just imagine this with me, he imagined her with like a field, a beautiful field with like long grass with like hundreds of white horses with like a line of like over a thousand children, like coming to like, <laughs> to be yeah. there with yeah. her. Like, ah, it so gave, gave me goosebumps. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we yeah. thought hello heaven was going to be, you know, here on earth, but it's a much bigger scale. That's quite what quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 So, you know, and I think, you know, when we started talking a little bit about this, you know, I remember like, I think it was like the day, before we were supposed to record she passed yeah and i remember you telling me that she died in your arms mm -hmm. yeah that's and i remember thinking at the time that like on some level that's so incredibly beautiful and then also just having my heart go out to you and think how on on another level how hard that was mm -hmm. to be that person I am just, I mean, this is the kind of thing that just changes you. And it was the biggest privilege of my life to be there with her. So on her last day, it was a Sunday. She said, I'm going to go home tonight. She knew it. Yeah. She knew <laughs> that was a really big gift. She gave a lot of us. So yeah. We're like, okay. We we're going home. Oop, reverse, turn the car around. We're going to her house <laughs> Yeah, because things have started changing really rapidly. I mean, we were still fighting it. We were still treating it, yeah. actively treating it like yeah. IVs. We were yeah. doing the special the Neo seven treatment at, yeah. at home with her. So we were still in treatment mode. We're like, yeah. we're gonna, you, know, right. we're, you were fighting. Me. Yeah. You were fighting. Yeah. So we didn't even have hospice on board because you can't have hospice when you're doing a curative right. yeah. um, treatment. And, but we were just about to, like the next day we were going to start it. Yeah. We were just about to start hospice. Yeah. Um, but she, yeah, so we, we got to say goodbye. A couple of other close friends and family came and said goodbye. And then um, as I was leaving, I was like, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. Yeah. like Stu, I am coming back. I'm yeah. going to be with you and be here tonight. And um, so I went home, put the kids to bed and then just went right back to where her house is uh, in Bellevue. It's a miracle. She was even in Bellevue because she had been in treatment in California the week before. Right. And actually got to fly home on a private jet. And yeah. we were just so thankful she got home. Right. Because um, just being here with friends and family in Washington was a huge gift. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of people imagine death to be, it's going to be, I'm going to be in just, you know, kind of peaceful and in my bed and just comfortable and relaxing. And <laughs> But her husband and I had the great privilege of just keeping her comfortable. And she, she was, she kept us moving for a number of hours for <laughs> just micro adjustments and fanning her. And she was fully with us, you know, yeah. she was even telling jokes about 15 minutes before she died. She said <laughs> out of nowhere, she said, big Island 2023. <laughs> <laughs> we're like okay what you want to go you want to go to hawaii like yeah. your anniversary was coming up he's like you want to go for our anniversary and then she's yeah. like yes nice 
Um, so she was fully with us. Um, but she was also, you know, anyways, oxygen deprivation starts happening when you have morphine and yeah. and your body's just shutting down. So there were some funny things she was saying and yep. we made the most of it, but w- the most of it, but we really, um, uh, my friend who lost her husband a few years ago, um, went, went through this with her husband too. And she said, it, it's an ushering, it, you are ushering them into the throne room. And that's what it felt like. At one point, Becca said, I want to die. I'm ready to die. How do I do this? How's this supposed to happen? <laughs> Can you help me? You know? Um, and so it was like, uh, that there's death doulas. Yeah. And I've actually attended quite a few births as a, you know, not official, but as doula. Yeah. yeah. And it was really, um, and ushering her in, it was, it was really, um, getting her, praying her in there. And at one point, you know, God, just take her, you know, just. It's, yeah, it's okay. We're ready. Like, yeah. But we're all ready, including her. Yeah. We're all ready. We're all ready. So I got to, I, I got, I mean, just the privilege. I mean, I don't know why it wasn't her dad or, you know, somebody else who was also part of the team and involved in the daily care up until that point, we were all just surrounding her, but it just got to be me and, and her um, husband and both of us just. And one of the things that I'm reminded of most often when I talk to people about these moments these really special, like, mm-hmm. why was I the one sitting there? Mm-hmm. And every single time someone has said something to me about when we leave, we choose who's there. Mm. Yeah. And if we That's go true. alone, it's because we didn't want someone there. Like just the, that it is so deliberate and the number of stories. And I know you've heard this with your profession, you know, how, somebody just made it in time, or it was just Mm -hmm. the right moment, or like you, you turned around and said, no, I'm coming back. Just Mm -hmm. the, you knew in your soul, Mm -hmm. you know. She wanted uh, me to be there. I knew her, I like massaged her just the right way, you know. (laughs) But it's just like her soul knew that it was you, you know, and that she knew because a lot of it is who can be there. Because mm-hmm. sometimes there are people who are not ready to usher. It's true. Because they're struggling with some piece of it or their mm-hmm. faith isn't strong enough to to hold that space for them. They're suffering mm-hmm. in some way and it and it wouldn't be the right person. It's true. And I mm-hmm. love that you got to do that. Me too. Me too. You know. Biggest privilege of my life. And if I hadn't been there, actually I would be really probably regretting and upset if so. Right. <laughs> Really and she point. knew that. Yeah. She totally yeah. knew that. She did. You're right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I love yeah. that. Thank you. Thank you for yeah, sharing her love story. Oh. Her love story as well as, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like so many people don't have the faith that you and I share. And that idea of an end feels so different when you don't have that, when you don't know in your in your soul where things are going it There's i think that that would be that, very scary oh my i know i know that i know i know where she is i know where yeah. she went yeah. and she's fully healed and she is victorious and she is she also had a couple of um, embryos from infertility and stuff that didn't work but yeah. she had some fertilized embryos and i know she's up there dancing with her children and a lot of white horses all around her so yeah. It's so beautiful to think of her. That she finally got to meet them. Yes. 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 Yeah. So now we're just loving each other. We're loving on her sweet, sweet husband that she left for us. We get to have him as part of our family and we just adore him. Yeah. And wrap your arms around him quite literally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So this actually feels like a really good segue for talking about sam your oh grandpa. sam <laughs> yeah because he's not here anymore either yeah grandpa sam yes. and where where your caregiving story comes from i mean you've always been a caregiver i think in your life but like how that became something much more for you than mm-hmm. it did for kind of your average person yeah, especially for um, 
yeah, for aging adults or seniors or whatever you like to call them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wherever they are. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and I, I feel like, you know, listening, you know, when you you wrote to me about, you know, hearing, sorry, this just, hearing his life's regrets mm-hmm. and knowing like what you just walked through with Becca mm-hmm. and how different that story is of that charging forward and living with every breath she had all right up until the end when she just took one step and she wasn't here anymore. Mm-hmm. That how, that how different, not in a bad way, but just how different Sam's story is for you. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was my grandpa. He was a real father figure for me. So grandpa Sam is my mom's dad. He had five daughters, <laughs> my mom, one of them. Yeah. And he, we lived on the same street as him growing up. Nice. So we were two houses away nice. and that was really cool as a little kid to be able to go to run down the street to grandpa's house. And yeah. they were picks up from school all the time. And they always had a little goodie basket and we'd check in the basket for a little treats after school and stuff. Yeah. So they were really involved grandparents. He grew the biggest sunflowers ever oh i love it (laughs) and dahlias he had this um field of dahlias and he would clip them and then we he would like sell them for a dollar each yeah um just passers-by on the road and i would help him mist his dahlias you know to get him ready to sell them out and he was just such a gardener oh my goodness he had incredible incredible garden also horses goats chickens on the property um, right in the heart of Bellevue. <laughs> nice. so, not now. We wouldn't do yeah. that now, but that's how I grew up was right there in Bellevue with all how of beautiful. That. What a neat and space to be though. 10 acres of unused space behind the house. That's now it's a school, but all my growing up, even just until a couple of years ago, there was just 10 acres of space back there. Beautiful place to grow up. So Sam and Ruth, uh, Squire. Yeah. My wonderful, wonderful grandparents that I got to be a part of their life. They cared for me. And then I got to care for him. He got a cancer diagnosis and pretty young, actually. I mean, comparative when I I didn't know it now, but he was pretty young in his seventies when he died. Um, but I got to be his caregiver. I just graduated from college when he got his diagnosis and it was just things just line up sometimes. Yep. I didn't have a family yet and I didn't have my, you know, own responsibilities and I didn't have a really big serious career yet. And I was done with school and he had the need and I had the space to fill it. And so that was just a gift. Really. It wasn't even something I really came up with myself. Well, and I mean, you already had such a beautiful, strong relationship with him. That was just the, well, of course I will. There was no, you know, no question. There was no awkwardness there. Yeah. And I love how grandkids and grandparents have that, you know, they, they don't have the baggage that (laughs) parents do. So I got to love on him. He got to love on me in a, in a really special way. Totally. I got to be with him through the end of his life and hold his hand and wash him. And he did not, I wanted to be there for his last breath. I just wanted to, I wanted to be with him, but I wasn't, I got the call at six in the morning that he had gone. And I remember running down the hill on the gravel driveway, probably with my socks on or something. And um, just to be with him and hold his hand, his hand was still warm and I got to be with him and dress him in his clothes that they took him away. And, Nice. And um, that Beautiful. was incredibly life changing for me to just be part of that with him, and just and yes, to hear his life's regrets in his final weeks. He was just sharing with me beautiful things. You know, I wish I had shared more with my neighbor about the Lord, or I wish I had, you know, told my daughters that I loved them more growing up. I just didn't, I didn't know how, you know, to to express that as much as I should have, and things like that. But, yeah, but like the best you know that's the stuff i mean yeah like i mean people joke about it but like nobody ever says i wish i spent more time at work yeah yeah <laughs> you know sure. you know yeah. it's those those things that like we we feel like we we didn't observe in the moment you know mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah so grandfather yeah grandpa sam 
died. And then I, I was like, I love people. I love healthcare. I love seniors. And I knew that from that point on. And so I didn't know what, where my path was going to take me, but I knew that I knew that. (laughs) So So that's why he was the start of it all. How long after he passed, did you start your business? Um, so the business started, I, I became an official caregiver, I think even right before he died. So I was, or maybe I was in the tr- official like CNA training. Yeah. Um, I'd already finished with a bachelor's degree, but I just, yeah. I was like still, I wanted to be a nurse actually, but I was doing CNA training and I started working at a facility, an assisted living community in Sammamish and I helped open it. I remember when the first resident walked in and she was so proud to be the first resident. Yeah. Her name was Ingrid. She's long gone. I'm sure I can share the name because she's just so, it was such a long time ago, but she was so proud to be the first resident. Nice. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so I worked there. And then at one point I recruited my sister to be one of my caregivers. I became the care coordinator and I became the person that scheduled, hired and managed the caregiver team there. Right. I don't know. They must have been really desperate. <laughs> I was very young, <laughs> but I was in a management position and at a very young age. Yeah, but you are, but you've had a passion for this. I mean, I think you know that was what you had shared with me a long time ago about your grandpa that you knew this was the work you wanted to do. Hmm. Hmm. I was passionate about it, but I was in a I was in a, a really high responsibility position. I think my family at one point was like worried about me. They're like, you work too much. Right. I was getting called (laughs) in the middle of the night. Sometimes residents would pass away in the middle of the night and I would go and be there with them. And um, my sister worked as a caregiver in that community because I was like, come on, come work with me. And my brother became the maintenance man. So it was like me and my siblings like running the place. It was really awesome. It really was. And so I got to know everything that can go wrong in a facility, all the stuff behind the scenes, the problems with the heaters and the air conditioners and the, you know, just what it takes, what it takes to run an assisted living community and to do it well and staff it well and make sure you've got all the shifts covered caregivers. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. So I did that for a few years and then I heard about referrals and I was like, Oh, wow. That actually really checks every box. And I could do it a little bit more in my own time. Yeah. And maybe someday have a family and can like do this like my whole life. And it was just like, right. it just the door was, opened. <laughs> yeah. So we got, I got married in 2008 and I started my business that same year. Nice. Wonderful husband who, who he has, he has a, he has the real job, you know, pays all the bills. And I just no, get to do this he has incredible. A, he has a day job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. But I get to do this incredible work now where I help seniors find the right place to go when home is no longer the option, best option for them. But we always start with exploring home. I haven't even told you this whole other story about my grandma. So Sam's wife's. Yeah, um, Ruth. Uh, I I cared for her. Me and my mom and other family members cared for her for uh, about a five to six year journey. With we thought it was Parkinson's, but it wasn't. And anyways, we kept her at home. Yeah, we kept her at home, and all the way through the end. And that is my heart, and that's where we that's where we start with every client. Yeah, even though our specialty is housing. Yeah, every client is. Can you stay home? Let's figure out, let's fully explore that. Can we bring yeah. help in? Can we modify your house? Can, can we keep you at home? Because yeah. there's no place like home. Yeah. 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 So you become kind of, un- you become kind of unmoored when, when you leave, you know, it's hard to resettle and especially for some when, people, they love it. They're like, I am yeah. so done with this home. Exactly. I've been here forever. All I'm this junk <laughs> and I just want to be social. But for other people, it's where they, you know, have all their memories and they have their pets in their yard and they have a lot of people that come visit them there. And right. for my grandma, she had a lot of people that came to her. Yeah. So there wasn't that whole isolation piece that's so often there for people who are living at home that don't have yeah. just kind of a, you know, huge village. I mean, my grandma has so much family, we have so much family in the area and then just church communities and people that yeah. She, her house was a hub and it didn't stop being a hub ever. Yep. So. That's awesome. That was a beautiful thing to keep her at home. And 
Yeah, but being able to do that, that like, is such a it's such a gift, and most people just don't know how to navigate it. So I'm glad that your your business exists. We start with that, even though our our specialty is housing and care. So we have a database. My husband created it. He writ he wrote it from scratch. You know, code language like that's what he does. And so I would dream up features, and then he built it. Nice. <laughs> and we, we we keep dreaming up features. It's totally searchable. We've got about three thousand different assisted livings, adult family homes, locations in the greater Seattle, Seattle area in this database. Wow. It's great. Wow. That's kind of, that's so much more of a monster than I think I realized it was. And even like the last time we talked, like, I think it was probably at 2000. So like, it's gone up so much, like since, you know, there's a lot of need there. So I've got some, some great staff that keep, that are helping us keep it, um, up to date, but it's really not so much about the numbers and how much is in there. It's about how many um, good homes have we identified. And so we've identified you know, the best. Right, right. Yeah, you don't just have 3,000. You have 3,000 that are actually worth talking to. <laughs> yeah, we have, you know, five in each city that are amazing. And that's yeah. the thing is because people are get faced with the choice of seeing, you know, senior housing, like, where should I go? You go on the internet, you're like, wait a second, Seattle is awesome because there's so many options, but it's so overwhelming. Yeah. And so to help, help someone help you narrow it down yeah. is, is what we do. Yeah. And you guys do that beautifully. Um, okay. So I want to turn from that a little bit. And one of the other ones that you had told me about for a life story for kind of our your last one for, for this round, because I realize I'm just going to have you back to have another conversation about the whole mom stuff. Um, talking about breaking the baggage of previous generations in the spiritual realm, like getting healed inside, you know, what, what that's about for you. Wow. So I think that I could tell you a little bit about our, our journey to parenthood just to touch on it. Sure. It, yeah, ties yeah. In, it ties in with that a little bit. When we first got married, I, we had, real trouble getting pregnant. We'd go on these beautiful, we had a lot of adventures before we were like, Hey, let's try to become parents, which was yeah. great. Hiking up in the Olympics and all this. Stuff. We went to Kalalau, you know, the Nepali yeah. coast of Kauai. Are yeah. You familiar? Yeah. We hiked that trail <laughs> wow. and it's an 11 mile trail to get to this really remote beach that like nobody's out there except for some, uh, there's kind of a little nudist community that's out there that yep. lives yep. off the grid. And anyway, so I'm telling you this other story. Sorry. That's okay. Go for <laughs> it. I love them. In 2011, we um, hiked the Kalalau trail on the yep. Nepali coast of Kauai and we got caught in the 2011 tsunami. Huh. Oh, great. On that remote beach. Oh my and goodness. so it was midnight and we were sleeping in our tents and a helicopter landed on the beach, like right, right where we were sleeping. And it was like the loudspeaker was like, get to higher ground, get to higher ground. And we, oh my goodness. we didn't even know what he was saying. But so Kenyon turned on his flashlight and ran out to the helicopter and he's like, what, what's going on? You know, half asleep. And he's right. like, there's been a huge earthquake right off the coast and it is there's a tsunami headed for you <laughs> he's like well can you take us in the helicopter like please like here yeah. we are i mean we have to go a mile down the beach to even get to higher ground right like we were not like by right. a place where you, you were not sorry you just up. turn and go yeah uh he's like no sorry i gotta get other people i gotta get out of here <laughs> so he just takes off and leaves us and we're just like we don't even know how much time we have he kind of gave us a little bit of a sense, but we didn't really know how much time we had. And right. So yeah. I mean, yeah. a couple of minutes later, there we were running down this, the beach I, with my underwear on. My kids love this story because I'm yeah. like, you have your underwear on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> running down the beach. Um, we left our tent and most of our stuff just grabbed a few things and just yep. like, Moved. we saw some other tents along the way and we're like, there's a tsunami coming middle of the night. So that was the best story. So we had a lot of adventures before. But wait, hold on. But tell me what happened. Like, did you, you got to higher ground, obviously, but like. Okay. So if we finally got to like a place where we could, we thought we could like kind of veer off and start going up because we were up against cliffs. That's right. why we had to go yeah. along the beach to get back up right. into a valley where we could actually get up to higher ground. Yeah. So we finally got to that point and we're like, um, 
maybe we should try going up this. It looks like a little trail here and it's the middle of the night and we're just stumbling around with our flashlights in the right. jungle. <laughs> right. But then all of a sudden we hear this, this loud, calm, booming voice kind of behind us on the trail. Yeah. And he's like, how do you do D or something like that? Like, right. How's it going? It was just like this really relaxed kind of yeah. voice. And we're like, what, who is that? And we turned around and it was the, the mayor of the little colony that kind of lives yeah. out there. Yeah. Turns out we found out later this, this was the mayor of the, <laughs> the mayor of the town. Yep. Of the town. Right. And so he's like, follow me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> how amazing. So, so we followed him up the trail up into the jungle and he, um, he had a, a whole bunch of other stranded people up there around a campfire and we all were fully safe and around this campfire waiting it out. Nice. With the so, nudists? With the nudists, but they had clothes on. We, yeah. I was probably the one with the least clothes on at that point. <laughs> I was going to say, of all the situations where you could be running away in your underwear and have people not really notice. Yeah. 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 It didn't matter one bit. Right. <laughs> no so one cool. was, was surprised or interested. No one yes. was surprised. Yeah. So we waited it out. I think I called my aunt in on the East coast, you know, cause yeah. it was three hours earlier. So I was like, there's no, it, you know, cause someone had a satellite phone. I mean, you're off the grid out. There. Right. So you're way out. Had a satellite yeah. phone. I called her. I was like, can you call my mom and just like, tell her we're okay. Because yeah. the quick uh, phone call, we are alive. <laughs> I didn't want her to worry. She knew we were like hiking out there. So yeah. Oh, that's so funny. yeah, no, we were totally fine in the morning, you know, first light, all of us crept down the hill to see the damage. Yep. Um, we thought we could hear some really big waves coming in yep. in the middle of the night, but it turns out that Hawaii didn't get hit too bad. Kauai yeah. didn't get hit too bad by that tsunami, even though it was a big, it was a huge earthquake. So I think we saw some, like a dead seal or something, dead um, something on the beach. I assume all your, all your stuff was gone. All our stuff was actually still there. Oh, how funny. How yeah, funny. we could see where the waves had come, though. But yeah. our stuff was actually still there. Wow! Um, so it was this huge adventure, and then it turned it out to you know totally fine. <laughs> How fun! I love it though. Yeah. So we, I mean, Kenyon, my husband just has he's a very adventurous spirit. Kenyon, Becca's Becca's brother. Yeah. Um, and so we had lots of adventures before we decided, hey, let's have some kids someday, and then. Yeah, it just didn't happen for us. We but like, did you did you decide to start having kids after surviving the tsunami? Yeah, <laughs> we're like, let's have some children now because we're we're still alive. <laughs> yeah, we're alive. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, now let's do this. Yeah, no, uh, but it was a, it was actually a, on a hike in the Olympic Mountains when um, we finally had that realization. Hey, let's start a family. And it was a beautiful setting to have those conversations and realize that it was the right time for us. But it yeah. didn't happen right away. Turns out I just um, could not get pregnant. <laughs> so like six months went by and I was like, oh, this is really hard. I'm not getting yeah. pregnant. Should I worry? Should I not worry? Then a year went by and, you know, we ended up finding out that I had really bad widespread endometriosis because yeah. they did a surgery to just get rid of a little cyst that they thought was there. But it turns out during that surgery, it was like, whoa, you have really bad endometriosis that you probably had since you were 12 years old and you have scar tissue everywhere and your organs are like tied up and yep. it's really bad. And so a lot of times autoimmune diseases are tied to kind of emotional things. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I went through a lot when I was a little kid, my parents divorced when I was a little girl and was raised by my grandparents, my mom, and my dad still too was part of the picture. Um, but who knows what my body carried, like what my body um, processed or felt as a little girl. And anyways, <laughs> who knows for sure, but endometriosis was, it was the answer. And that was a blessing to have an answer Yeah, for Huge. not being able to get pregnant. Yeah. yeah. But then anyways, we couldn't get pregnant then. I did, then I miscarried, then another year went by of not being pregnant, and then I miscarried again, and this time it was at 14 weeks, and I think we were probably in BNI when that happened. Yeah. 
That's, together. That's, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I remember that that was really, that one was especially hard. Yes. That was especially hard because I told everybody about yeah. it and I was so excited and had been trying for probably actually more like three years then of a journey in and it's finally yeah. I was going to, I was pregnant. It was all going to happen and it didn't, it didn't happen. But then I, I did get pregnant, <laughs> I got pregnant and, and it actually worked um, after the surgery and after they, they did this little um, dye test where they kind of squirt some dye up your fallopian tubes. Have you ever yep. heard of that? Yeah. Like yeah. check and see if they're, I think that squirting of, up, it, it might've loosened something up and I, I got pregnant and I had this wonderful son, Isaac, and he is incredible. And Isaac, you know, means laughter and he's just brought so much laughter and healing then I went on to have another miscarriage after him and then Jesse, and then we were just totally done. I was like, I've been doing this for eight years. I've had a lot of miscarriages. I'm just so done. And I have two kids. Like, yeah. yay. Yeah. Done. Yeah. <laughs> but then we went to, I went to this um, conference in Portland for, for women. And um, I was just, it was a women's conference. that was about um, equipping you um in the, in the spiritual world for just for life. And it was a beautiful conference at this location outside in Oregon. And one on the last night, they, from the stage, they're like, does anyone here have endometriosis? <laughs> I was like, uh, I do. <laughs> so I put my hand up and like all these hands got on me and prayed for me. And, um, and I, I felt so much heat and warmth in my body and he, really just a healing touch. Yeah. It was just, it felt like a kiss. It just felt like a kiss from heaven. Yeah. Um, like so much peace and, and in healing in that moment. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know exactly what happened there fully. I, one day I want to ask more about it <laughs> and you can hear her in the background. Yeah. <laughs> So my child number three, the girl, number three little girl was a month later. They're like, you're pregnant. I, uh, I mean, I found <laughs> out I was pregnant a month later after that healing experience. Oh, how fun. And I was just like, Oh my goodness. Cause Kenyon actually had COVID at that moment in time. Right. Cause he, he <laughs> had course. gotten it. And anyways, so <laughs> I didn't have it or anything. And I was feeling fine, but you know, we were going through that in our house. And then I was like, um, I'm pregnant. <laughs> By the way, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, there are things that our body feels that that are there are there are wounds and and places of um, that are, like for me, like the endometriosis. Like I'm pretty convinced that it was things I went through as a little girl, the emotional emotional um, just sadness of my parents splitting as a little girl, where that disease you know that that autoimmune disease set in and maybe I already had a predisposition for it but I'm like one of the only in my family that has it so it doesn't really run in my family like my family's right. like the fertile family like ever right right <laughs> hence all the brothers and sisters and everybody else I have yes 21 great I have 21 cousins and like yes <laughs> 45 second cousins and anyways um yeah so it's not like a big known thing in my family but um there's so much healing and actually I, I want to share the one piece before I had the, all those people praying for me. It was earlier in the day, they had a workshop where they said, um, just, just picture yourself alone at the foot of the cross with Jesus. And you know, what, what does he want to say to you? Or what do you want to say to him? And I had, I just, this feeling of this, like, Whoa, he wants to do surgery on me inside. Like he wants to do surgery inside. And it had to do with my endometriosis. Um, he wants to heal like the wounds, like the roots of that. And so I had this really sweet time with just me and Jesus earlier that day. And then to have that night, then just call it out. Like, does anyone have, it's, it's just such a rare, weird thing for them it's to call such out. Such a rare, it feels so random. <laughs> yeah. Just random. <laughs> like, why would you pick that yeah. of all things? Yeah. So I felt like it was just my time. It was just my time to be touched by that. But then, you know, you, you, you fast forward and you think about, you know, my sister-in-law dying of cancer 
And there's some disillusionment that happens because you're like, why would I be like healed and touched of something? And why would she not be, you know, and there's this, there's this huge questions of life that, that we all have to face. We all have to face those questions. And, but yet we still have a good God that's conquered death, hell, and the grave. That is good. That is good. Yes. and And wants to heal us and, and bless us. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, there's just things I will not ever get to know this side of heaven. You right. know, I asked Becca, I was like, you know, a like half an hour before she died. I was like, will you just ask, you know, like why? <laughs> like, yeah. And then like send us some sort of sign. Like we, I would love to just know, but we, we're not going to get to know why. And really, you know, it's not really um, that mysterious to me after all, though, because yeah. when you believe in a good God, he also believes that there's a devil and that yeah. is the author of disease. It's not, it's not, God's not the author of disease. Um, yeah. And so anyways, um, yeah. Nice. So God doesn't really get the credit for her for <laughs> taking her life away, you know, <laughs> even though he's sovereign though. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but that's not the, yeah, that's not mm-hmm. the, the piece. <laughs> I am a much better mother because I went through that season. And if there's anyone that's listening, that's struggling with infertility, I would just say, you know, God sees your heart as a mother. He knows your desires, the desires of your heart. And um, don't give up hope because there was just so many years when I felt so hopeless. Um, But if I hadn't gone like through what I went through, I wouldn't have that deeper inner healing that I have. Right. And so there's purpose in our pain. So often there's a purpose to our pain. And um, we just serve such a good God that doesn't only care about the um, the surface of things, but it's what's at the root of things. They want us to get free from and heal from. Yeah. And you know what? you made me think of you with the purpose to your pain is, you know, is that, you know, when people talk about, you know, be careful what you ask for, you know, because if you ask for patience, you're going to get opportunities to learn to be patient. You're you're not just going to be given it as a gift. And so to me, when I look at those painful times and those things I've been through as well, I, I was able to see their purpose later and it's happened enough times now that whenever I head there again, I'm like, okay, I know there's another side to this. I know in my soul that there is a purpose. And I cannot, you'll, you, you rarely can see it in the moment. We don't get that gift, but you will see it later. And, and that's the piece that always guides me forward in, in those pieces and knowing that, you know, I spend so much time striving to be just a good and faithful servant. Like, just mm-hmm. show me you know, mm-hmm. living my life and holding things with an open hand, like show me where I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And that means so much to me to be able to show that to other people, mm-hmm. you know, to, to that you can have grace and to hold them in those hard times. And like for you literally holding your sister, you know, in yeah. those moments when you don't know, you know, what's coming next for sure. Yeah. yeah. So good, Tracy. Yeah. yeah. And you reminded me of, we're probably about time here, but you asked me, what's my sur- superhero or power? Yeah, your superpower. <laughs> yes. Your superpower. Let's close maybe, with your superpower. That's perfect. Maybe we can end with that. Um, yeah. so uh, I was joking when I was like preparing for that. I was like, well, um, <laughs> the other couple months ago, it was the middle of the night and I heard the door kind of creak and I was like, okay, what's going on? There's some kid coming into my bed. He just wants to get cozy or something. But then you hear this little tiny voice that's like, I think I need to throw up. Oh, no. My superhero power is flying. I didn't know, but you know how fast you (laughs) jump out of a bed when you're a mom? When you hear that, yes. Yes, you can fly. (laughs) I grabbed him. We made it to the toilet on time. Phew. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. No, seriously, but that was just my my joke uh, about that one. But I would say that my superpower is being available for other people, seeing the needs of other people around me, and then just saying to myself, "Can I meet that need? Is there anything that I can do to help?" Yeah. Um, and I call it a superhero because not because there's anything really special about me, 
it's just having the eyes to see it. But really what's so powerful about it is then that then you do help somebody and you, you do show up for somebody and you are there for somebody and guess what it does? Yeah. It gets you out of your funk. It clears your head. It changes your perspective. It yeah. totally transforms you. And so that's why it's so powerful because it's really, it shows you who you are. It shows you your self-worth when you have other people and then you love yourself more and then you can love other people more. It's just this kind of just beautiful thing. So that's why oh, it would, I would say. All the yummy mix that comes from there. It's just the circular thing that happens. Yeah. yeah. Getting outside of yourself. But really, it's just being available because there's opportunities every single day in front of every one of us, all mm-hmm. around us. Yeah. And it's just it's just being available and saying yes. Yeah. There's nothing special, uh, you know. I, I, I beg to that. differ that there is something special about you, but that's my job. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to close for us today and just let my listeners know that I have enough notes from what Abby and I didn't get to talk about that there will be a round two. We've got some other stuff I want to cover and I want to talk about with you and share with my listeners. So thank you so much for today, Abby. Thank you for spending time with me. Thank you for sharing so openly and uh, for giving our listeners something really fun to listen to. Thank you so much, Tracy. Total privilege to be here. I just think, you know, of like what you said, maybe someday my kids will listen to this and, and get a kick out of it. And it's just a snapshot of where life is right now. And um, I'm totally sleep deprived this week, but I'm having the best week ever. <laughs> we just got a puppy. <laughs> oh, how fun. How fun yeah we just got a puppy it's a it's a bernadoodle so it's an ultra bernadoodle oh yes yeah burning mountain dog with the and he is eight weeks old and he's really smart and really chill but he's a puppy so you know we're doing all the stuff (laughs) very very puppy energy but it's pretty healing and um we've we've always wanted a puppy it's kind of like like this this moment of like wow like life is just so sweet and so beautiful and i've got these Anyways, just having this podcast like this week is it's special because there's so much to reflect on. There's so much going on in my heart, but I'm so thankful and I'm, I'm, um, I'm content. I'm feeling like it's well with my soul, even though there's a huge loss that we're all processing. Um, there's just so much to be thankful for. Every day is an absolute gift. Yep. Thanks so much for listening to Good Life Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit our website at goodlifestories.com for more show notes and additional episodes. Please subscribe and consider rating and reviewing the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to help others connect to us. Who do you know with a good life story? I would love to hear from you. Good Life Stories, creating connection one story at a time.